0: Hello, and welcome to Primary Immunodeficiency Questions and Answers. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation, or IDF, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life of people diagnosed with primary immunodeficiency diseases. You are listening to one of several special episodes focusing on young adults. In this series, we are going to be diving into topics that matter most to young adults living with primary immunodeficiencies, or PI. And now, let's begin.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode, College Concerns, part of IDF's Young Adult Podcast Series. I'm your host, John Boyle. Before we begin, let's hear a word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Margaret Mary Conger. I'm Senior Patient Engagement Associate with CSL Bearing. I just want to first thank the IDF for inviting me to welcome all of you on behalf of CSL Bearing. At CSL Bearing, we really are driven by our promise to the PI community to develop products, programs, and resources that serve your needs. We're really excited to be a partner on this latest educational effort that the IDF is putting together, so I hope that you enjoy this podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Margaret Mary. Going off to college is both stressful and exciting. You're away from home, possibly for the first time. You have to get used to new surroundings, different people, and more work than high school. On top of everything, if you're living with a primary immunodeficiency, or PI, you'll also have to deal with the complications of managing your condition, making doctor's appointments, refilling prescriptions, and more. College students with a condition like PI are well served by coming up with strategies for finding the right balance between living your best college life and managing your health. I understand these challenges all too well as my PI certainly played a role in my own college experience. In this episode, we'll explore how college students with PI can learn how to better manage their condition while attending college. Today's guest is Dr. Emma Westerman-Clark. Dr. Westerman-Clark received her medical degree from the University of Florida College of Medicine in 2010. She also completed a fellowship in Allergy and Immunology at the University of South Florida. She's interested in diagnosing, treating, and supporting young adults with primary immunodeficiencies. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Westerman-Clark.
2: And thank you so much.
1: Now let's dive right into this. Why is supporting young adults with PI in the transition to college such an important issue?
2: Well, the transition to college is challenging for most young adults. They're making big decisions for on their own, like choosing a college. They're gaining new skills, learning basic life skills, such as meal preparation and laundry, often for the first time. And kids with PI and chron- other chronic illnesses have a huge set of additional skills they're expected to learn. Their new legal status as adults changes their relationship with the healthcare system. Um, Thankfully, the Immune Deficiency Foundation has excellent resources, including the IDF Transition Guide, Pediatric to Adult Care, um, which walks young adults and their families through the process. I would really recommend that families read it, starting when the kids are 12 or 13. It includes a transition skills checklist for age groups 12 to 14, 15 to 17, and 18 and up. For example, um, learning to ask questions at a doctor's appointment is a skill that kids can start to learn early in their teen or even preteen years. Scheduling appointments is something kids should try to do before they leave home. Uh, Learning to interact with pharmacists and specialty pharmacies may be important. Things that seem simple to their parents like providing a pharmacy benefits card at the pharmacy counter, requesting refills of medications, those things need to be rehearsed. And young adults also need guidance about what to do if something like an insurance claim is denied. But if you start early, it won't seem so overwhelming. And it's also empowering to realize that you're a collaborator in your own healthcare decisions now that you're an adult. So young adults with P.I. should also know that they're not alone. There are 500,000 kids with chronic illness that turn 18 each year, and many of them start college. We want kids to know that we as healthcare providers are there to support them. And it's traumatic for many kids without chronic illness to learn that they can't see their pediatrician, that they've seen all their lives anymore now that they're an adult. There can be a sense of rejection, um, fear of the unknown, and for kids with chronic illness who are transitioning to college, whether or not they leave home, they may need to form an entirely new health care team, and that process can be very emotional. But remember that the doctors and the nurses and the staff are there to support you. It makes it easier if you start thinking about your half of that relationship early on.
1: Well, I appreciate uh, that. My uh, uh, my care team and my family, they did, I think, a pretty good job of preparing me for some of the things that you mentioned there, although I will admit that the laundry one that you mentioned was not one that I was uh, as prepared for going off to college as I should have been. So thank you for reminding them that laundry and and, uh, feeding yourself also have to be a part of the issue. Yes,
2: that remains the most challenging part of adult life. I agree.
1: For many college students, who are experiencing their first healthcare uh, environment away from home and without their family involvement uh, can be tricky. Uh, things like adhering to their prescribed treatment uh, can really be a challenge when they're doing it on their own. Uh, in fact, many seem to think that they can take a break from their medications or treatments. Have you uh, experienced that uh, as, as you have uh, practiced and, and worked with young adults?
2: Definitely. It really helps to uh, fully understand your specific diagnosis as best you can um, and your medications to make wise choices. Um, you should think about the consequences of not adhering to your treatment plan. You know, For most individuals with PI, the treatment can be life-saving as well as life-long, um, which can be hard for teenagers to grasp. So talk to your immunologist about the role that your treatment plays in your overall long-term health. And the effectiveness of the medications depends largely on patients' adherence to the regimen um, if you receive immune globulin, you may have options, for example, um, subcutaneous immune globulin versus intravenous, and those things should be discussed.
1: Now, deciding which college to attend is uh, tough for any student. There's a lot to weigh in that. Um, but when you're dealing with uh, a rare disease, that can actually add uh, another level to it. How would you say someone should factor their uh, PI or other diagnoses into their college decision?
2: Well, choosing a school and preparing for college is an exciting event in the life of any student. For most high school students, searching for colleges consists of looking at what majors are offered, what extracurricular activities are available, and weighing options like the opportunity to experience a big city or a new part of the country But students with a PI may need to weigh their health needs a bit more heavily when choosing a college. And a couple of questions that they may want to consider include, are transportation services available? That may be especially important for students who don't drive or who are considering large, sprawling campuses. Um, Do the disability services meet your needs? Although PI is not considered a disability per se, Um, This department typically oversees accommodations and helps students make adjustments for academic and personal needs. Um, What health insurance plan will they have? Uh, Some students are able to remain on their parents' health care plan until the age of 26, but the health insurance market and laws are always subject to change, especially in the current environment, and it's important to do your research and keep up to date. Um, And then finally, I think housing accommodations are important. Although we don't want kids with a PI to feel like they have to live in a bubble, they do have to think more carefully about their living arrangement. Dorm rooms are often cramped with two students in a room. So you may want to find out if it's possible to have a single room, which would make infusions or subcutaneous injections easier if you need them. Um, If medications need refrigeration, Where will you keep them? And if you plan to live off campus, an older house with nine other students and three dogs and four cats may not be the best option for you because college houses are notoriously messy and pets may be an additional infection risk. So depending on your underlying PI and your infection history, those are things to consider.
1: Now, Dr. Westerman-Clark, you mentioned, and I'm glad you did, uh, the that kind of distinction of uh, people with PI not having a disability per se, but uh, using the Office of Disability Services um, or the equivalent at a, at a college campus, that can be something that that can be tricky for people to get their heads around because at least those who come to IDF events, we try to make sure that they uh, they don't feel as if their condition defines them. And yet, when you're coming to a college campus or, or something like that, uh, you sometimes need someone who is on your side, they get it, they're set up to serve uh, you know, people like you. Uh, any further thoughts about uh, those sort of offices or those sort of on-campus resources and, um, and what you've experienced with, uh, with patients that have kind of interacted with them?
2: Um, so you're right, most people with, with PI don't view themselves as having a disability um, but if you want the school to provide an accommodation, which some students may need, um, you should consider at least discussing it with the Campus Office of Disabilities. Um, the Health Center at the National Youth Transition Center um, is a helpful site for understanding disability resources at various American campuses, and that can be found online at um, www.health. Um, You may want to meet with the disabilities office on your campus as soon as you arrive or um, even consider talking to them a few months before you're scheduled to start classes as a freshman. Um, That's an excellent opportunity to get to know the counselor um, even if you're not sure if you'll need to have any special accommodations. That way if anything unexpected comes up, your information's already on file. Um, One of the perks of contacting the disability student services is they may be able to help you request um, a single room in the on-campus housing, which can be very helpful for students who are administering immunoglobulin replacement therapy.
1: Now, going to college in a different area from where you grew up and where maybe you were taken care of in the past uh, may involve locating a new physician, someone to coordinate your care, someone to order uh, your immunoglobulin or other uh, medicines that you may need. Do you have any tips for how to find that new physician uh, who may not know your history, uh, who may not even know as much about PI as your uh, former care team did?
2: That's such a great question. You would be surprised how small the field of immunology is. Or perhaps you wouldn't, because you know a lot about it. Um, but even large universities in smaller college towns may have a dearth of immunologists in some cases. So you want to talk to your current immunologist who's been managing your care, and they can help you identify a new specialist. They may even review your college list with you prior to selecting a college. Um, they might advise against choosing a college in a rural small town that lacks any subspecialists in immunology. And it also really helps to start obtaining your medical records a couple of months in advance and bring them with you or have them sent to your new physician. Um, Of course, make an appointment in advance and schedule regular appointments whether or not you're having symptoms. Um, And then the, the IDF has resources such as the electronic personal health record, designed specifically for the PI community to help organize all the documents that patients need.
1: For the record, dear listeners, we are not paying Dr. Westerman-Clark to A, be on this podcast, nor B, to plug the EPHR, but by gosh, do we love her for it. Thank you so much for adding that in. Uh, now, it, uh, it is a great resource, and we do see that a lot of parents um, will help uh, their their child transition by making sure that a lot of the key information is in their EPHR or or something equivalent. So uh, now, thank you for for all those uh, thoughts. No,
2: thank you. It's extremely helpful.
1: Now, just a quick follow up question. As you mentioned, there may be um, a scarcity of, uh, of people who have experience uh, with PI. Maybe not uh, a clinical immunologist who's you know right around the corner. Um, what are some of the other considerations? Uh, you know, uh, allergists, for example, you see a lot of allergists out in the field, uh, but also infectious disease uh, docs, uh, you know those who practice internal medicine. Uh, what might be some of the areas that you would suggest that people uh, kind of consider first if they're not seeing a uh, clinical immunologist, Uh, that is uh, really popping out at them or their current care team?
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, Even within the subspecialty of allergy and immunology, people tend to sort of self... uh, They take one of two paths. They manifest as either allergists primarily or immunologists primarily, it seems. Everyone does a little bit of both for the most part, Um, but there are many allergists who um are not accustomed to taking care of patients with complex primary immunodeficiencies on a daily basis. It does require um not only a special, you know, uh, knowledge, but also a special um skill set, uh, and then uh you have to have backup in your clinic to help with the um, prior authorization to obtain the, the special medications um, that primary immunodeficiency patients need. Um, so just finding an allergist may or may not be sufficient. Um, so I would really recommend, again, that you talk to your immunologist because they will be familiar probably on a first name basis with most of the other immunologists who are comfortable treating their condition across the country. Um, it's in an incredibly small field and they can really help point you in the
1: right direction. That was great, thanks. Uh, the the issue of who might be a, another option for you is a tricky one because, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, with allergists, although uh, you're board certified in allergy and immunology, it's, uh, as you're saying, they may not have that sort of experience, uh, and they may not have that sort of comfort level. So. Uh, Again, yeah, relying on on your immunologist and your care team uh, to help guide you I think is a great call. So, thanks for expanding upon that. So let's take a break here and then we'll talk some more in just a moment.
0: IDF wants to help you manage living with primary immunodeficiency, including your health, insurance, education, and relationships. You get support from your family and friends, but IDF can provide you with advice and resources to help you cope with a wide variety of issues related to young adulthood and PI. Please visit us at www.primaryimmune.org for tips, advice, and support.
1: Welcome back. My guest is Dr. Emma Westerman-Clark, who's discussing the college journey of young adults with PI. Now, Dr. Westerman-Clark, in addition to the academics of college, there's also the socializing aspect, friends, dating, parties, and then some. What are your tips or thoughts on dealing with the more social aspects of the college experience?
2: Well, young adults with PI may understandably be reluctant to tell people about it, um, but it's a good idea to inform your closest friends, your roommate, um, your resident advisor. The IDF transition to adulthood guide includes elevator speeches to help you explain your PI concisely and feel comfortable doing so. Um, kids who have grown up with a PI have the advantage of knowing their bodies well. And it's important to remember that, quote unquote, friends who pressure you to use alcohol or drugs are not true friends. And you will find friends who provide you emotional support and people who share similar interests. Um, Clubs, of course, are an excellent way to meet people and gain leadership skills. Again, know your body. Don't get overcommitted right away in freshman year. Um, During the first semester, maybe choose one or two extracurricular activities and focus on settling in. Um, this is the same advice I would give college students without chronic illnesses, though.
1: So. Now, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, possibly telling your roommates. Uh, any further thoughts about uh, that and how you would negotiate someone that you may be uh, living with or, or living in the same house with that may have questions or concerns about someone who, <laughs> Is, uh, is is using uh, medications or or happens to uh, uh, you know to be acting uh, maybe a little bit differently uh, than uh, than some of the other housemates or foremates or anything like that um, dealing with roommates any any other thoughts
2: um, sure that's that's a big question especially for patients who receive immunoglobulin therapy either intravenously or subcutaneously um, Probably a good idea to communicate with your roommates, you know, what you're doing before, <laughs> before proceeding with an infusion in their presence. Um, you know, you would not um, desire to lead them to erroneous assumptions. Um, if you live on campus, your resident advisor may be able to help you mediate situations like that if needed. Um, but having roommates doesn't necessarily mean they need to see you infuse. Um, you can work with your current healthcare provider and school personnel to help you find a place to infuse privately, too.
1: Okay, so we've talked about uh, kind of the student health services, student disability services. We've talked about uh, telling uh, potentially your roommates or, or interacting with them. Um, how about talking with your professors or those uh, who are on the academic side uh, who may or may not need to know about your condition in terms of uh, your being sick or, uh, or treatment issues. What do you think or uh, what have you experienced uh, as the considerations that someone who's in college should think about uh, when trying to decide how much do I tell my professors? Do I tell them anything? What are your thoughts there?
2: It's a very personal decision, um, very individual. And it it may also depend on how close you are to that professor. If you're working closely in their lab on a daily basis, for example, you may feel more comfortable with them and and want them to know what's going on. Um, Larger classes may be not necessary. Um, But sometimes students are reluctant to communicate to their professors because they feel forced to choose between their privacy and um, getting what they need. If you think your academics will not be affected by your PI, of course it's up to you whether you say anything to your professors about your diagnosis. If you choose not to disclose that you have a chronic health condition and you do become ill and need to take some time away from school, it's important to notify your instructors immediately, of course. And they understand that illness happens, and they'll typically work with you as long as you've made the effort to communicate with them. Um, On the other hand, if you are interested in having um, some academic adjustments because of your PI, you'll likely need to talk with the Office of Disability Services, as we discussed earlier, to discuss your accommodations and how they might be provided. Um, The name of your condition does not necessarily need to be disclosed to your professors, um, but the information could simply state chronic health condition and that
1: may be all you want them to know. Well, that's um, an interesting point because if you just say, hey, I have this chronic health condition, you go through the paperwork there, Uh, one of the challenges that a lot of people, of course, with PI have, as well as many other chronic illnesses, is the old issue of, oh, but you don't look sick. Uh, So a professor or your roommate may see someone uh, who looks hale and hearty and healthy, uh, you know, on that first day of class or whenever they're interacting, um, but preparing them for the fact that you might not always look that way or you might uh, uh, be struggling with something that they can't see uh, is an issue. Uh, Any further thoughts about how to deal with and communicate uh, the issue of the invisible illness? Uh, Because it's something that some people are familiar with, but obviously a lot of people aren't.
2: That's true, definitely. Um, One main point to to think about is the fact that you're definitely not alone. People who have diabetes don't always look sick. People who have even cancer don't always look sick um, to the people around them. Um, And you may have a lot of ups and downs um, with your illness, of course. Um, So that's why it may be prudent to discuss um your chronic health condition with those who are closest to you early on and build a support structure from day one and of course don't hesitate to reach out reach out to your family back home because they're always going to be there for you
1: all right well dr westerman clark uh, we've covered a lot of ground there Um, do you have any other last pieces of advice outside of what we've talked about uh, that may be helpful for our college-bound listeners or the parents of uh, uh, upcoming college-bound students?
2: Well, there can be a lot of anxiety surrounding the the college transition. But remember, it's always um, all learning experience. Up until now, many kids have been fortunate to have their parents drive them to procedures, wait with them, ask questions on their behalf, pay their co-payments, manage insurance paperwork, But in college, you may find yourself going to treatments alone, asking questions, and managing your own records. Um, So while kids may feel overwhelmed with the responsibility of managing things initially, uh, over time they start to feel proud and gain strength from mastering these skills. And I encourage all students um, with a chronic condition to find ways to ensure that your illness will not stand in the way of your goals something easier said than done, but it is possible. And it helps to listen to your body and pace yourself, as we mentioned. You may not be able to pull the same all-nighters to study for an exam that your peers do. Your body may need a certain number of hours of sleep to feel rested, and that's okay. Um, Of course, nutritious food, adequate hydration, moderate exercise are helpful. remembering that you have the right and the power to make choices that are right for you. Um, You may want to plan your schedule so that you have only one or two extremely challenging core courses at a time, and not take biology, chemistry, and calculus all in the same semester. That way you can pace yourself and enjoy college, which is really important.
1: Well, I think that is all such sage advice that uh... (laughs) We don't really have to say anything more on this uh, today. I think that this has been uh, a great uh, primer uh, for uh, those entering college or, or parents who are uh, concerned about their kids who will be going off to college at some point in the not uh, uh, too distant future. So uh, thank you so much once again, Dr. Westerman Clark, for taking the time to, uh, to share your, your thoughts and your insights here. I think you've given our listeners uh, a lot to chew on, and uh, certainly a lot of it uh, uh, resonates with my own PI-enhanced college journey. Uh, learned, uh, learned the hard way through a few things. I wish that I had had you uh, guiding me along uh, with, with a few of the, uh, uh, the, the lessons that I had to learn the hard way there. So uh, really appreciate the insight and uh, appreciate your joining us today, sharing your thoughts, and, again, thank you so much from all of us.
2: Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been
1: a pleasure. And many thanks to our listeners for being with us today. We hope that you'll join us for the entire series as we explore concerns of young adults. Until then, all of us here at IDF want to wish you good health and strength. And remember, you're never alone. There are always people out there who want to help. We all just have to find each other.
0: This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation. The Young Adult Series is supported by a charitable donation from CSL Bearing. Thank you to CSL Bearing for their support. Also, special thanks to Bryson Kemp for scoring this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so future episodes will be pushed to your device automatically. And rate us on iTunes as that will help others discover this podcast series. To learn more about primary immunodeficiency and the PI community, please visit the IDF website at www.primaryimmune.org. And if you have a question you would like answered, email us at info at Thanks for tuning in.